Are you alive? <laughs> I am now. After the Heat got a win, I'm all the way alive. Yes, we got ourselves a finals. Izzy, thank you for your boys down in South Florida making this thing fun. You can thank Jay Williams. I'm pretty sure he and everybody else that picked a nugget sweep uh, motivated the heat properly. So you can thank all of them. Speaking of dum-dums who picked the nugget sweep, <laughs> Alabaster. Guys, I think we can all agree that this was the Alabaster game with Nikola Jokic and Duncan Robinson going off. Um, but pale. I ask you guys, pale, did the heat figure out something to stop the nuggets? I'll start this one here, Dominique, because from that last game, you know, uh, made maybe three of those wide open shots uh, from either Struess or Martin. That game down the stretch has an entirely different feel. And for a Heat team that, like, offensively has not shot the ball well all regular season, they've done it enough in the postseason to say to themselves, oh, okay, is that all it takes? Great. And they have faith in a guy like Max. And they clearly were saying to Max, hey, you're going to shoot yourself out of it right in the first quarter. And he did that. And then you saw just a little bit of a different, you know, edge to Miami. They were playing everything defensively, a little bit more aggressively. um, And forcing Nicola, if he wants to go to work, cool, go to work. Take five, six dribbles, you know, take the the shot clock all the way down under five. And it'll be a two-pointer at best. And that was working out for Miami. And, you know, putting Kevin Love in the starting lineup, I don't know if that was tactical or if it was because Caleb Martin wasn't feeling great, but it feels like it was tactical because they needed another big body in there, somebody that can, you know, address the Aaron Gordon situation, somebody that could help a little bit. And they just did everything execution-wise that they were supposed to do better. And, yeah, they did figure out a couple of things here and there in order to get those shots again, but... they figured that out in the last game as well. They were just uh, doing it, you know, to, to a to a T today, and then hitting a bunch of shots from the outside. And I think the Duncan Robinson part, lastly, was just, man, that was just him yeah. showing off everything he's worked on over the last couple of years. Bam was not a volume shooter, which is nice. That's a good place to be. Last game, somehow they Jedi mind tricked the Heat into thinking that Bam was Jimmy and he was going to shoot twenty six times a game from all right. over the floor. So they, uh, if they've stopped, yeah, figure out how to stop the Nuggets feels like a bit of a stretch because I, I didn't feel like the Nuggets were stopped. Like the zone held up better than anyone expected it to, but they certainly didn't stop it. Jokic had 41. It wasn't as yeah, if they shot I, 52%. Yeah, it wasn't as if I felt like, oh, this defense has them, has their number. But, I mean, they made them work on both ends of the floor. Both teams played really aggressive, tenacious defense. But the difference is they're going to be open shots. Uh, yeah. And the Heat hit their threes this game at a high percentage, much better than last game. And they were forcing – well, not forcing the Nuggets, but they were, uh, I guess, daring the Nuggets to have Jokic not shoot threes and Jokic iso and take which is the least efficient shot in basketball or least efficient play is the post-up, which it's yeah. not – uh, it's not inefficient when Jokic is doing it normally, but still, if you're going to hit your threes, then you're going to be in much better shape. And to your point about the playing hard stuff, it seemed like they had one of those pregame speeches where they said there will be no layups because there were a lot of like aggressive fouls on breakaway dunks that I mm-hmm. thought could have led to fights. But I guess that's the, the mindset the Heat brought into this game. They knew that they, they needed this one to stay in it. Yeah, I think to your point about like not really stopping the Denver Nuggets, I don't think the Miami Heat say to themselves, 
okay, we're going to keep them, you know, around 40% shooting or in the 90s scoring. I think that they just have to make it irritating enough so that they can keep them right in this neighborhood and then just stay with them offensively. And when you're going home, you assume it'll be even more difficult for the Nuggets, right? You can play a little harder, have the crowd with you, um, have the role players and the Nuggets not play as well. And that's where Miami's just thinking, yeah, we just needed the one in Denver. And not saying that, you know, they've sh- they've shown enough that they can lose a, a game at home <laughs> to Denver, but that was exactly what they needed to do in terms of just disrupting the offense just enough. And it's crazy, man. Nikola Jokic is so good. Like everything he throws up there, in the, if he's below 15 feet, you expect it to go in. And on the other side, the Miami Heat superstar, Jimmy Butler, wasn't really playing like once at a point where people are asking me if he's hurt uh, through that game. And, you know, he might have tweaked his ankle in that Celtics series, but he just didn't look like he was looking for his. And it just kind of played into the rest of the team's, right, strength because Bam happened to be playing well. Max was shooting well earlier. Duncan was just like looking to run the offense on on his own. And he didn't need Jimmy to do much up until, you know, down the stretch or a three and an and one and boom, he does his part. So it's starting to feel like all that stuff that Jimmy was saying after, you know, scoring 56 and after uh, beating the Knicks is just saying, yeah, my teammates give me that confidence and I give it back to them. We're a great team. We do this together. Like it's starting to look like the Heat's are a really good team uh, when surprise, they execute surprise. well and don't need Jimmy Butler yeah. to do everything by himself. You hinted towards, or not hinted towards, but you mentioned kind of in passing how Duncan Robinson was showing everything he worked on this summer. And it's kind of been like a bit of a joke imagining that Junk- Duncan Robinson was anything but a shooter. Like we think of him as a liability on defense and a guy that you don't want to put the ball on the ground and make a ton of decisions. But he was kind of, I don't want to say it was the difference, but he was the catalyst after the Nuggets dominated the third quarter. The beginning of the fourth quarter, like Duncan Robinson owned it with not only with his shooting, but with his decision making. And I think he handed it off right to Bam and Bam's decision making as a passer, not as a scorer. So they're playing off of Bam when he's on the perimeter and rather mm-hmm. than shooting a mid-range jumper. He's making decisions, which is something that he does excel at. And I thought that was a a pivotal point right there. Those two players, like, facilitated a nice run that you would normally rely on your star player to uh, Jimmy Butler to to give you in that point to wake you up. I'm pretty sure it was in the first half where Jeff Van Gundy was saying, this is where they missed Tyler Hero. He didn't have the playmaker, right? That the alternative playmaker that's not, you know, Kyle Lowry or Jimmy Butler or an occasion Gabe Vincent. Well, Duncan just kind of became that in the second and the third quarter. He became the guy that obviously it's not going to just be with his handles, but drawing the defense out and then just creating from there. And it, it was one thing, Dominique, to have him sort of give you the ear and uh, in game seven in Boston where they'd won before. Right. But this dude flexed on him after the, it wasn't even an and one. It was just a bucket flexed like the double (laughs) flex on him. And if Duncan Robinson does that to you, you might be done. (laughs) That's not real analysis, but you might be done. His, his, his face just, it needs some work. He's practiced. (laughs) He's clearly practiced his uh, ancillary moves to being a shooter. But he has not uh, practiced his celebrations. It felt uncomfortable. Nah, get that mirror. Yeah, you gotta. It just. It felt. It still felt sweet. It felt like someone imitating, yeah. uh, like a, a mean mug. It was not that yeah. the grill was not fully iced. It was a lukewarm ice grill. 
It was your six-year-old doing it. And you're just <laughs> like, like, oh, oh like, that's awesome. I love that. He watches a lot of NBA. Look at him. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, like, it is, uh, he is one of the best shooters in the world. (laughs) And so to have him on your team and be able to run offense around him, all you need is something like that, just a stretch like that to be able to just kind of do what you do um, and, and be effective. And this is what is so, and it keeps saying it every round, like the benefit to having the coaching advantage, um, you just, the heat from any game, you feel like they can win any single game, no matter what you just saw the last game. And whether it be a small adjustment or a major adjustment, like starting Kevin Love, it feels like Spo's always going to have something for you. And I think in game and between games, and then in this game, I don't know if I felt like Michael Malone had much in this second half kind of was just there with his arms crossed, didn't really offer much different in terms of how they were running things. But to be fair, it was kind of working yeah. because you kind of just let Nikola Jokic go to work and that's always going to be an option for him. They closed the gap. I, I mean, this is what a championship uh, like series is supposed to look like where in the first game, the Heat are exhausted and no one expects them to, to win. They are getting blown out at several points in that game and they fight back every time and get it down to 10, down to nine, but don't have enough in the tank. Then you have a similar thing in this game where the Heat uh, or the Nuggets like take over that third quarter and then the Heat come in and kind of run away with it and Nuggets fight back in it. It's it's hard to predict who's going to win, but you know that neither team is going to like just fold. They don't they don't whatever mentality that we see in some of these other teams on the way up here, namely the Celtics that people like to point to. These guys don't have that. Whatever it is, they always Hmm. believe that they're going to win. And uh, for the Heat, at least. I know they're, they're going to have a game when I see Bam attack the basket very aggressively. And this week or this game, he dunked uh, and won with Michael Porter Jr. in the fourth quarter. And it, I just remembered when Jamal Murray blocked him in the game before. And I was like, what are you doing? And he mm-hmm. must have heard my complaints because I'm sure all he cares about is how I feel about his play. And I will say two thumbs up, Bam. <laughs> well, one of the things that the Heat have sort of discovered is who they're going to attack. And Michael Porter Jr. defensively is one of those. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, I don't know if they're going to actively attack him, but they realize that he can be had a little bit. He can make some mistakes for certain. I would say Bruce Brown's probably the only other person where they're not, I mean, maybe just because of the size situation, but he even plays big for a small guy. But everybody else, Jeff Green, Brown, uh, Murray, Pope, and Porter, like, good luck. If, if Bam feels like there's not a, a deterrent for him at the rim and Jokic isn't really that, yeah. then he's going to play aggressive. If he feels like he can just jump straight up in the air and hang out there for a second while he gathers himself and then th- shoots that jumper, he's going to do that because you're not going to be able to block that shot the way maybe Mitchell Robinson or uh, Robert Williams III could have. So he's feeling free. If their shooters are feeling free and the last thing to come around is Jimmy Butler and you're about to go to Miami, yeah. Like the tone of this series changed tremendously tonight. It's, I mean, the Heat, uh, I, I know it's kind of an insult to call someone a jump shooting team, but like <laughs> everything the Heat does fun. is kind of predicated on their shooting ability, um, especially how you mentioned before that like Bam is, take, is on the perimeter with the ball in his hands and Jokic is pulled out of the middle because of that. And then they have cutters or Bam will pump fake and drive to the basket. And the only reason why any of that stuff works is because they have four other guys spotted up around the perimeter that are hitting their shots and no one can help off. Michael Porter Jr. tried to help late, but it's too late. You, you had to, you're held 
uh, just for a, a second longer because they're shooting so well. They were over 50, weren't they? They were like close to 50% shooting today. From three? From three, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, 48, 48 and a half percent. They shot 17 of 35. And that was like Jimmy hitting a couple. Yeah. Um, obviously, Kevin Love in there. Cody Martin hit a huge one. Kyle Lowry, um, you know, they and they were like their normal rhythm shots. And so, well, Jimmy's normal three is weird all the time, but uh, they were their normal rhythm shots. So it's one of those yeah. situations where, again, they look at their coach and they say, hey, we followed your game plan and it worked to a T. Of course, we're going to, you know, follow you the next time and the next one. And so, um, yeah, it's just one of those situations where I don't know um, outside of, you know, shooting better from three-point range, because it's not like the Nuggets turn the ball over a ton. They turn the ball over 13 times. There were some critical ones and maybe yeah. a couple of uh, pick sixes maybe, but um, it, it wasn't like they played terribly. And, and I think that's where people think has, to, that's what people think has to happen. The Nuggets have to play terribly for the Heat right. to win. And no, that's not the case. So one thing I want to follow up about on this stuff is uh, we focused a lot on how the Heat have effectively played offense and the Nuggets have struggled to guard the three-point line without fouling, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing is the pace and the tempo of this is wild. Like the Heat have held the Nuggets to 108 and 104 points. After two games, do you feel like this game is, this series is being played the way that the Heat want them to on both ends? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, they, they want it to be slower and they were, you know, sort of, you can tell in the first game uh, trying to do as much, but they were just turning the ball over and making those silly mistakes. And then you realize in the second half, when they don't do that, they can close the gap. And they did that. And so I, I think, you know, it was something that I was saying to myself during that early run with Denver's. It's just like, have they even felt that that adversity yet have they even felt like it's the playoffs yet because they were playing against a Suns team that they could just run up and down against uh, the Lakers team obviously a better suited team but it's a sweep right and right. so we've talked about this before like every championship team has a stretch where it feels like it's all coming apart and that hasn't happened yet for Denver it didn't I mean unless you consider that regular season end where you Nicola wasn't playing much and they were fault but they didn't even fall out of first place there so this is almost me? the most adversity I can't yeah, even. I hit. can't even respond to the oh. question before you come in with another interjection. Oh no, Fox! I, I I, I'll let you go pace. in a second. I just, I just do want to make the point that uh, this is the first home game the Nuggets have lost. So with the idiom of a series doesn't start until the home team loses, maybe their playoffs really didn't start until tonight. You're right. Right. And I'm glad right. you came in with that one. That was important. Good job. Thank you. With that one. Thank you. We I had appreciate to it. say that the series started because you didn't <laughs> I, want to. I hear really needed to get that one in. My Let's my sure points about what you're transition say defense. Um, I mean, I think it, it's probably a little bit uh, simplistic, but I think all this is like they're hitting shots. You can set up your defense when you're hitting shots. They're scoring. I think their their defense, their ability to slow down the Nuggets transition and play at their pace, I think is more predicated on their ability to score effectively and obviously run back. Both teams are have been really impressive, like saved a couple fast breaks just by being uh, great athletic transition team so again the heat as tough as they are as mentally aggressive or whatever all hemothies they might be they're just a, they're just a jump shooting team <laughs> when the jump shots go in everything else works out it, it feels people like think it. they're not exciting dominique did you not see those eight cody zeller minutes <laughs> 
That was so entertaining. <laughs> it was like just spinning plates. Like, I don't even know what was just try to hold on. Every time he touched the ball, it seemed like it just squirted out of his hands. Like, <laughs> he was aggressive I don't offensively. I what is going on like, with that I, guy. He He's attacked been totally the basket. Capable. Yeah, he attacked the basket <laughs> a couple of times and made a couple layups. I was like, man, Cody, you make the mm. most of these minutes. And, uh, and Spo put him in there and as just a changeup, I think, uh, for Jokic and. It was all just barbecue chicken, as they say, for my man Jokic. You know who? Um, I'm only Serbian delicacies. It's Gabe Vincent. He's right up there with Jimmy Butler. You saw that fit, that look he gave Brown. Oh, that was outstanding! Like, <laughs> you see that? I, I love that one. That look. Oh, it was yeah, great. Like Marie, nervous. Like, shot. He's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, Alabaster. What's next, Jimmy Butler? We already talked. About yeah. Well, there's. We can go back. I th- I think there is stuff because like. Say what you want about how he closed this game. Jimmy Butler has essentially been a role player for the Heat, and we have – there have been lofty comparisons for his playoff performance, and he has not lived up to it over the last five playoff games that he has played, pretty objectively. And the question is, one, what's going on with Jimmy Butler? And two, do you think he can get back to uh, playoff Jimmy for the rest of this series? Well, I didn't think he had sort of an excuse of an injury until I'm coming back in the fourth looked like he was limping, like he'd gotten cold and was limping. And, you know, he's got the ankle thing that he turned against New York and then sort of tweaked against Boston. And so it might be lingering with him. Um, It seemed early on that he was playing for the pass, right? Playing to make the play. And it was very much like regular season, sort of frustrating Jimmy Butler, where he's got his eyes at the rim, but his eyes are facing that way. And he doesn't see he's got a layup if he just puts it up. And uh, that to me says... He's just not really feeling it, feeling right. I don't know what it is, but he did enough to, you know, to cr- to draw the defense and get those nine assists. And you know, there was times where he was just barreling through the baseline and had no intention of doing anything other than passing it out. But there were three nuggets there paying attention to him. And so that's the attention he deserves. And he was making all the right plays. But I, I think with this group, um, I think he knows if one or two people are hitting, I can continue with that yeah. sort of path and play that way. But, you know, if everything's falling apart, he's going to have to go get get those foul calls and get to the line again. I think where he hasn't really gotten into a rhythm is because he hasn't been able to figure out where he's getting those fouls. And he, he got a couple of them today, but not the ones you're kind of used to from him. Jimmy Butler shows up to the store with the exact change. He knows what he is going to purchase. He has done the math. He comes right down to the penny. And he is determined, and it wasn't just this game. It felt like it's been this way since about midway through the Celtics series where it's like, all right, y'all need me? Here I go. I'll give you what I got in those moments. But he hasn't been the playoff Jimmy that we talk about, the takeover the game, the traditional superstar that we've expected for our, for quite some time, in my view. Like it, It's very LeBron-esque in what we've seen recently from LeBron. And that LeBron's out there. He's always there. His presence is always kind of felt. Yeah, but he's not ever going to give you more than he has to at this point. And Jimmy's had some history with his knees, and he's obviously never been like the super explosive high-rise Aaron Gordon type. But that's what it feels like to me. And I I think it may be a result of injury. It also could be a result of fatigue. Or it could just be Jimmy is – doing what the game calls for. If they're going to hit their threes, then he doesn't have to play aggressively. If they're not going to hit their threes, they're going to lose anyway. So he might as well rest up. Yeah, I I do think that he 
is something of injured, right? But obviously he's not going to say anything. And like right. when they asked him about it before the finals, he said nobody cares. And yeah. I agree. Nobody does care. That is care. the answer you give if you're actually hurt. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're not hurt, you just say, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And you just kind of keep going. Uh, but I think if you look at the 2020 finals and look at those couple of games where you had that one memeable because he was so tired resting on, on the uh, the stanchion or the scores table there, whatever you call those things. Um, and if he was capable of that right now, he'd be giving it to you, in my opinion. Like, if he's doing that against Anthony Davis a few years ago, if he's doing that against Brooke Lopez a few rounds ago, he should be able to do this against Jokic. But, you know, fortunately for him, it's not really required of him yet. That's the one thing you said against Jokic. That's one thing about this zone that is problematic is I see Jokic with his back on Jimmy Butler far too many times, his back on Gabe Vincent far too many times where I guess it's a give, it's a trade-off. You can't have everything yeah. you want, but that's one of the drawbacks of the zone is that Jokic, when he gets in the paint, it's not always against Bam, who's also too small to guard Jokic. It's not against Zeller. Sometimes you catch the right rotation and they get second chance opportunities because Gabe Vincent is trying to rebound against uh, Jokic. You know, what's crazy to me is, you know, I, it feels like, and this is just from somebody who obviously watches the Heat a lot. Like a lot of people just started watching the Heat in those conference finals and thinking that if Caleb Martin is not effectively Scottie Pippen in this series, that the Nuggets are, are going to, you know, have yeah. their way with Miami. And again, it just goes to show that it doesn't have to be just Jimmy. This is actually a pretty deep team um, and pretty talented team. Like there's nobody that they throw out there anymore that you just can't play like even Duncan Robinson is yeah. out there and not getting owned on the defensive end uh for stretches and, or maybe you know maybe he's only being played for long enough to either be a factor or be caught you know caught for for being a defensive liability and then you know if one of those two happens you know it, it dictates his playing time but it's it, it's it's this whole feeling of this disappointed Heat fan base going into this season, thinking, yeah. man, this is going to be a rough one. No P.J. Tucker. Caleb Martin can't do what P.J. Tucker does and yada, yada. And it's just like, yeah, no, you've got a lot of really good players and a really great coach. And it's just a weird dynamic because it's it's very rarely that you discover these things in the postseason. Yeah, I'm, I've been surprised that, like, you know, the, the level of comfort you have when certain players go into the game. And yeah. I've been surprised by how, when you brought it up, I just kind of thought back the last few rounds. And it's like, there are people who come off of other teams' benches that I'm like, ooh. See, like, they just, they're rolling the dice now. Yeah. But I, yeah. I can't really think, I guess Peyton Cody Pritchard. Zeller. Yeah, Peyton Pritchard's one of those guys. <laughs> um, I guess um, Zeller gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies every now and it's then. It's crazy but... because, I mean, believe me, they wouldn't if they didn't have to. But right. he's like the only big body that they have to really throw out there. But most of all, like, I, I trust, even though these players aren't, like, highly touted or haven't been around for a long time, like, I feel like like I can trust so many of their players that are very deep. I mean, even more than the Nuggets, who are also a pretty deep team. And if I'm Eric Spolster, it's kind of how, it's kind of my origin story, right? Like. Yeah. LeBron kind of tried to nudge and see if Pat Riley wanted to coach. And it's like, no, the organization supported me and I'm going to, you know, prove them right for their support. And that's basically what all these players are doing now. It's like, oh, you guys supported us this whole time. We're showing you that it was worth it. And even those who say that Duncan Robinson contract was awful. I mean, tell me yeah, again why it was it. awful they when he's giving now. you this yeah. in the finals. Um, Spostra is going to love this championship more than 
either of well, the, slow the down. ones. With slow the down, right? Dominique. Like, that's way, that's good. way too jinxy. What? That is way too jinxy to I say it. I can't <laughs> jinx them. I'm not a fan. You have to be a fan to jinx them. Anybody can jinx them? Yeah, okay, hy- hypothetical speaking, hypothetically speaking, a coach would, any coach would be prouder of the title with a seemingly less talented bunch. That's all. For sure. I'll give you that. Not hypothetically. Spoke, though, hypothetically, yeah, theoretically, something like that. All right, Alabaster, save me from this jinxy mess. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not going to. I'm going to lead you further down that path, which is it's overreaction time. And I think it's deserved because I've got heat culture running through my veins right now. And the question is, did game two change how you view this series? Um, I picked the Nuggets in four, so egg on my face. I think other people picked them in five and six. How do you guys see it now? I I had the heat in seven the whole time, so it's pretty much the same to me. Go ahead. I I picked the Nuggets in six here, but I picked the heat in six on get up. And get up, Dominique, is the one who I am trusting at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) No, um... Honestly, what happened was everyone's had nuggets at the bottom of the screen. So I was like, no, I will. I refuse to be a part of this. And then I was like, give me the heat because that's just stupid. But um, I would say yes, honestly. I know everyone, all the analysts, and they want to seem smart and say, let's not overreact. Let's not swing like a pendulum at the end of every game. Why not? It's fun. I did not think the Heat had a chance after last game because the Nuggets didn't even play all that well. But – I was going to say if the Heat keeps shooting like this, but at some point we have to accept that they're going to keep shooting like this because they've done mm-hmm. it for much of the playoffs. They had a cold spell against the Knicks, but other than that, they've been a great shooting team. And I feel confident when the ball goes up, even Kyle Lowry taking contested threes, when they leave their hands, you know that feeling that we all have. If you're rooting for the opponent, you either feel a little nervous or excited, or if you're just watching a game, you like feel like a shot's going in. And I – Feel that just about every time uh, the Heat get a shot. So, yeah, I'm uh, get up, Fox. That's the guy. We're with him right now. Here's the the way I sort of looked at the series coming in. I just was like, this is going to be the most difficult thing the Heat have done yet. Like, it's going to be the most difficult opponent, which isn't saying that much, but it's still saying something when you just, you know, took out the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, But it was going to be their biggest challenge, as well it should be. It's the NBA Finals. And... They lost the first game. They hadn't lost the first game in any of their other series. And so it's set up as the most difficult thing. You saw the level of of focus and the level of just execution that it took to beat them in Denver, which they had to do at least once. And so, I mean, it's it's a long way of saying it's kind of what I expected the series to be so far. Um, I expected it to be a situation where a lot like that Suns Nuggets series where people were saying, oh, neither team's going to stop the other. So, you know, you just have to outscore them. I knew this wasn't going to be that high a scoring situation. So it was one of, you know, the Heat are going to have to go small stretches where they they slow down the Nuggets just enough and then execute, execute, execute. And so this game was just confirmation that they could do that after that first game. I was a little nervous after the first game thinking mm, they you know, they might be too reliant on those jumpers. Like you said, yeah. if they not hitting mid range, if then, you know, one or two of their shooters go cold, then they have no shot. Uh, it's probably still true, but at least now, you know, that they have different options, different ways to, to initiate offense with bam. And now you're probably getting another guy that you trust to initiate back in Tyler hero. 
So is he going to be a problem for the Nuggets or is he going to be a problem for Miami <laughs> because he's been gone for so long? I, yeah. That could go either way. But if he becomes a little bit of an issue for the Nuggets and, and you know, uh, creates a couple of buckets here or there and, and makes, a, you know, a five-point lead, a 12-point lead in Miami – I know the Heat's going to be feeling pretty damn good about themselves. Yeah, I mean, getting up to this pace, uh, finals level, uh, tempo is probably going to be hard for Tyler Hero, but I can't imagine that, that they don't, that they can't find five to six minutes a game that they could run the offense through Tyler and feel a little bit more comfortable than the choices that they have now. So I think it'll be, I guess you could talk about the defensive challenges, but overall, I think it's probably a plus for, uh, for the heat over uh, the nuggets. I don't know. It means fewer Duncan Robinson minutes coming off of uh, his greatest performance in history. Suppose no dummy. It's not like, I mean, he probably could have played uh, Tyler today if it was like that vital of a situation. And so he's probably going to give him, you know, a handful, maybe four or five minutes in the first half. See how that goes. I mean, last year he was in the conference finals, um, not fully healthy and it was basically that it was Spo giving him a couple of minutes and saying hey are you nah you're not really going to do much so just just not playing him anymore i think that's just the way it's going to go for the rest of the series for him i think he probably the flight home he needs to sit next to duncan robinson and and teach him like post shot celebrations like we gotta <laughs> we need let's to, just work yeah. on the snarl yeah right? yeah the snarl like, and then maybe yeah, yeah that's the flex <laughs> all of that stuff like I know Van Gundy doesn't love his style, but I do think that he feels comfortable post-shot. Like, is, there's no time in his life where he's more comfortable. Is post-shot. The style comes through right there. Yeah. Duncan, not so much. Let's be clear. We're talking about Stan Van Gundy not liking uh, Tyler Hero's yes, style yes, because yes. I don't believe Jeff Van Gundy would have a say one way or the other. Like, I don't think he's really making fashion and judgments. Stan? Mm-hmm. Stan should? I didn't realize that uh, Stan was the, was the fashion icon of the Van Gundy family. I don't know. He did have that one picture that looked like a rap album cover, right? Dude. Like, I don't know. He might be had a little bit more street cred uh, than Jeff. All right, that video, <laughs> speaking of um, old Van Gundy video, the video where I think it's Stan who is doing dribbling drills. Yes, oh. It brings me crazy <laughs> great joy. It's nothing like Super Mario handling the rock. Love it. Wow. He looks like Super Mario, doesn't he? He does. I didn't even boop, think about boop, that. Boop, boop, anyway, what's up? You gotta I think he looks like Luigi. Do you think there? Stan Gundy's a better ball handler than Jalen Brown? Oh gosh. <laughs> you just co- Jalen is at home minding his business or on vacation somewhere. You just come in with Answer the question. It's a legitimate Uh, question. uh, Yes. 100%. (laughs) No. I refuse to. Maybe. (laughs) Um, I got a couple of quick follow-ups at the end. Do you think it's repeatable to sort of shut down Jokic's passing like it was tonight? I think a lot's going to be made over the next couple days that it's better to let him score 40 points than rack up another Mm triple-double. But he's sort of like one of the great orchestrators we've ever seen. Is that like an actual repeatable formula or just something that happened tonight? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it is repeatable. I know it was the Heat's game plan. Didn't really work out that well in game one. Uh, worked much better in game two. I think what they took away was some of those really cheap, like uh, Aaron Gordon, like seal off yeah. buckets where it was just a dump from uh, down from Nicola. That was probably like two or three assists in that first game. And then, you know, a couple of missed shots early on uh, from three-point range. And Nicola's maybe, you know, he's another guy who, obviously, no dummy. Like, if people are missing threes, his next look is probably going to be something, you know, for a, cut, uh, for a cutter or himself take it. 
to the basket. So I do think that there's ways of disrupting his passing game uh, to do it over four quarters again yeah. is a lot to ask for. But I think you can do it enough over a seven-game series to not have him blow up for 14 assists. Yeah, I think I want to say, Paige, it's absolutely repeatable. Is it, a, is it guaranteed to work? No, it's absolutely not guaranteed to work. But I think right now it seems like that's the best choice you can make. I don't think you can consider uh, it a defensive shutdown when someone goes for 41 points. But you can kind of accept that it was the best you could do given the circumstances. So, yeah, I think they could win like that again. And um, if I haven't driven it home enough, it boils down to whether the Heat are hitting their shots or not. The Heat are hitting their shots, and they're fine with uh, with Jokic going one-on-one. If- Does this remind you of Shaq and Kobe versus Detroit Pistons in oh, 04? Oh, um Like – the idea being, well, in that case, it was let Kobe eat because, yeah. you know, he was going to take too many shots. Uh, don't <laughs> yeah. foul him, whatever. In this case, it's, you know, let Nicola get his. Don't give him the extras. Don't foul him. Don't give him the assists. And then, you know, on the other end, just execute, execute, execute. Drive them crazy. Yeah. I mean, the the challenge for a lot of big men is they aren't good passers. So, like, the, the point of the double team is to either force them to shoot against into the double team or – force them to make a decision and pass out of it in a way that does not hurt your defense. So like, I think Mm -hmm. if you are going to, the problem with Jokic is he's going to get a wide open shot, like best case scenario in other situations or the most likely scenario with most of the bigs who get doubled is they're going to pass it out and have to start over and run a different like offensive set. But Jokic is like, if we double him, someone's getting a dunk or someone's getting a wide open three. So like, I don't understand how else to play him realistically. And they play around him so well, like right. Aaron Gordon on that one in the first half where Nicola was about to turn away from the double and shoot a fade. Instead, it became an alley-oop because Aaron Gordon knows exactly when to yeah. make that cut and Kevin Love's not That's paying attention to him anymore. It's amazing how they play. It's like doubling other guys offensively, they consider it a win if they get the defense into rotation. And but Jokic is like, if you double off of him, we are passing right into a wide open shot or a dunk. So it's not even like maybe we can rotate fast enough or we can force them to pass it to a bad shooter. He's like, you know what? They're going to get it right at the rim. I I guess I shouldn't accept that to be a, a foregone conclusion, but that's what it feels like. I, I don't remember very many possessions where they double Jokic or even like helped on him. And then it stifled the defense. Those always seem to go against the heat. This is how much this series uh, has shifted in just one game. Um, even though I, this is not jinxy, okay, I'm not jinxing this. Okay, okay. But we might have uh, we've already we might have a Jerry West situation where if the Heat win this and uh, Nicola just puts up oh, ridiculous gosh. numbers, that the disrespect Still for the Heat will the continue <laughs> and he will win MVP <laughs> and the Heat would win a championship. That's a little I can jinxy. See that happening. A little jinxy. I mean, who who else in Miami is like you know grabbing yeah, things to look like the same way? I think it could be. Bam. Dunky. Oh, Dunky. Oh, yeah. My man. Could you imagine? What what kind of world do we have to live? What what do we have to do to make that happen? That'd be tremendous. To have a Dunky Finals MVP. (sighs) Miami runs on Dunky. That'd be be incredible for uh, white Americans. Like, (laughs) when's the last white American we had as a Finals MVP? Mm -hmm. I was going to tell a joke, but I can't. (laughs) I'm guessing yeah. Larry Bird will effort this now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> does it really have to be Larry Bird? Is that really the one? Good I think it has gracious. to be. Yeah, I can't think of any. Now, 
Well, I also brought the show to a screeching halt. So, Alabaster, you better ask another question or give us a check. So uh, last thing, predictions for game three. Oh, man, I predict that will be there. <laughs> uh, I predict Jimmy is going to hunt more fouls than he has all series long. And I think Miami will take a, a series lead, and it'll finally be a situation where the Nuggets have to face adversity. Hmm. I got, wow, Miami taking a lead. Whew. I think they'll split. I don't know if Miami can pull off this back-to-back action right now. So I think I'll go with a Nuggets win, game one, Miami. Okay. That seemed crazy. Noted. Noted? Are you going to tell Pat Riley? Don't tell Pat. I was, no. I don't, <laughs> I'm going to tell Alonzo Morning. <gasps> See what he's got for you. How dare you? <laughs> don't tell me. Got a ring for UD. Sorry.